Good evening, Patriots. And it's the end of Thursday, February 16th in the year 2023. Of course, East Coast, you've already stepped into Friday. A good Friday it will be. Uh, just so I remember, because I keep forgetting to say, it's tomorrow, starting tomorrow and through next week, Duncan is going to be covering Fishers of, I'm not sorry, um, Bended Knee. So that's going to be a nice, I'm really happy to get his help. and he'll, I think he'll run a, a great show. I'm going to be traveling tomorrow and at a conference back east on Sunday through Thursday and then at another roundtable with some folks here in the Northwest. So my whole next week, I'll be doing the Bards FM and Fisher show, but Duncan's going to be covering the shows in the afternoon, which will be great. I really appreciate everything he does and a big help in times like this. We have so much going on and we have to keep juggling so many things. Now, I mentioned this earlier and I, I just wanted to bring note to it. There is um, a new company that I've um, managed to bring on, which just is another great product to have. One of the things that uh, we have to be aware of constantly is these various insane threats that we're seeing happening. One of those is EMP, and there's kind of three levels of EMP surge around the country, and there's obviously the ones that are man-made and the ones that are natural. Uh, EMP Shield EMP Shield, S H I E L D dot com, is, in my opinion, the best product on the market to protect your home and protect your vehicles and protect your electronics and even your ham radio stations if you have those at home. And if you use your BARDS code, B A R D S, you get a discount. I think it's like 10% off, which is substantial enough. And so you might check that out. They're a great product. They've been listed and tested by the Homeland Security Office as a product with EMP resilience. Um, they've been tested at the uh, national. They've just been tested all over in various places, and they're they're used by many different outfits. I have one on my Jeep. My dad has one on his uh, Ford Explorer. I'm putting one on my ATV. I'm. We have one in, being installed here at the house, and I'm putting one up at the other property. So I feel pretty strongly about them. I think they're a necessary item, especially with the insane of things today. Plus, it just gives you some additional security. And when you they give you a guarantee that if it you know if something happens and it needs to be redone, I think it's like a hundred dollars or fifty dollars or something, and they'll replace the items. So plus, you get insurance and everything. So ten percent off, a good deal. Bards. B-A-R-D-S, as always, the most famous promo code on the web these days. But check it out, EMPShield, EMPShield.com. You will not be disappointed. So I mentioned last night that we might continue with Witherspoon, but I'm, I'm not going to, uh, not because I don't want to, but because we basically did arrive at the end of the sermon last night. The additional commentary that was there isn't really relevant to his commentary. He does make a bit of additional work, but I want to move on from Witherspoon. We did it for two nights. And if you weren't part of that, that was um, the sermon, Dominion of Providence over the Passions of Men. In the three nights this week, we did, we have done sermons from the revolutionary period. And I, I'm very happy we have, and I will continue to do more 
in the months and or in the weeks and months ahead, not every night, but I will do them. They provide a couple of things which I think are very important to understand. One, it gives us a comparison to where the pulpit is today and where the pulpit was then. Also gives us a glimpse into how the relationship with God was being preached. Obviously, there was a lot of threat of going to hell in the times that these pastors were preaching. And I would argue that a lot of that, and, and I, I, as I say I argue this, it's not just out of me. I've been talking to many others that have been researching this, and I think we collectively agree that much of the congregational types at that time were very independent, and they were being coaxed into coming to God. And it was a necessary thing for the nation as well, especially as they were heading into war to break from England. Remember that a lot of the reasons people came here was religious persecution, but there was also a tremendous hardship. Um, we take a look at what happened with the pilgrims to start with. I think they lost something like 60 to 70% of their people after the first winter. So hardships were real. Death was real. And with that, there was both the des- those who were compelled to go to God and then others that were just kind of rejected by the idea because they were witnessing death. So the, sermon, the pulpit was a powerful tool to bring people in and used its sermons to bring people in. Very different types of, uh, there was many different types of uh, presentations. The idea, though, that God was, had really no love for people, it was just a, his, great, his hand that kept people from going to hell, I think we could argue is probably more of a, a man perception of God than a godly perception of God. Nonetheless, understanding the concept of accountability, and that was at the core of that message, was being driven home hard. And that's something that in this day, we really have to get clear on, that there is a mass accountability. And I, I'm just telling you this as I also get on my heart from prayer, that we are into a tremendously important year in our existence, in our lifetimes. I don't know what it will yield. We could get to the end of the year and find that the that we've moved half an inch in our perspective and yet, you know, still have a mountain to climb and that may may very well be the case and we may not be able to even identify everything that has happened, which is more likely than not. What we can't deny is the amount of movement that has happened since the first of the year. A tremendous amount of things have happened. As a matter of fact, I was reading through a list of items today and just had to kind of reflect back. It's like, oh yeah, that did happen. That did happen. So many things have happened from big polar storms that hit the Northeast to the this now this latest toxic spill to you know the Hunter Biden laptops back on the plate. We had the change in Congress, the McCarthy House of Representatives. We have the ongoing war in Ukraine. We have Weather balloons that turned into spy balloons that turned into a literal act of self-defense on war. I mean, it's just, it's pretty much insane of what we've been seeing. And it's not stopping, not anytime soon. And that sort of magnitude, when you just look at systems, and, and I'll keep it like that for a moment, just looking at the magnitude of systems, you're going to see a point, there is a point when systems will ultimately break down. And that's a big deal. When systems start to fail, and I think that with a lot of what we're witnessing right now, when we look at some of these, not all, by no means all, but 
we start to look at some of these accidents. There is a jackknife of a, a semi on, uh, in Pennsylvania today. We've had a, another derailment in Michigan today. And of course, our first conclusion, because we have grown up in a society that has been fairly well protected, we immediately draw the conclusion in this chaos that it's somebody doing it to us. Perhaps it's the deep state, maybe it's uh, domestic terrorists, um, and it's very possible it is. I'm not going to say it's not. We have we have declared an, an indirect war by proxy to Russia, and we've been waging a war directly against Russia by proxy in the open, not even indirectly. I mean, we, we are just openly funding Ukraine and allowing Ukraine to use chemical weapons on Russian troops. And to think that there would not be a reprisal to our government would be naive at best. We also have governments around the world that are calling for the end of the great Satan, which the irony of that statement with where we sit today probably has more truth in it than it does anything else. We have always mocked that, especially coming from the Middle East. And yet in interviews, they will often say, you used to be the light on the hill and you have become the country of the great Satan. I'm not sure they're wrong when it comes to our government, not our people, but our government. That ultimately is putting a lot of burden and onus on us to make some very big decisions on what we're going to support and what we're going to allow. As we become aware of what our government is, we gain with that a responsibility to do something about it. Now, doing something about it takes many forms. I want to be clear about this. But nonetheless, our founding fathers, as I have said so many times, and which is there in our documents, made it clear that it was our, it was our right and our duty to overthrow a despotic government. This is a form of tyranny we're in. This is a despotic government. This is a government that is run amok. It is not the will of the people. It is not interested in being the will of the people. And in so doing, it is not serving the people. It's serving itself. And it's and at the same time, it's becoming one of the greatest parasites on the globe. So if you look at it from a globalist perspective, and I'm not talking WEF globalist, I'm just talking a global human perspective. And you look at how people are looking at us. And I've been taking some time to do this. There's, a, there's quite a bit of scratching of heads that's going on around the world asking what the heck is wrong with America? Why are they not standing up to this? Why can they not see what we see? And it's a fair question. It's a very fair question considering that we are also one of the few countries that still has the right to bear arms. And we are one of the few countries that still fights for the preservation of our free speech. But the cult is strong, and the cult is, continues to take root. Today, it was a discussion with Bill Gates made it very clear that AI now is being deployed, and quite rapidly, in fact, to become the new administrator of the web. And with that, what that translates to is not just really an administrator, but we're talking about a very pernicious a very pernicious program that's been developed in the UK and I'm sorry, in Germany. And it is, it's referred to as Handelsblatt disrupt, which is an AI program to how, how would they say it? Deal with problems of, of difference 
and and uh, conflict on the web. So, as Gates said, the problem is that we allow various conspiracy theories like QAnon or whatever to be blasted out by people who wanted to believe those things. In other words, people are the problem. And this AI program that he's getting behind that's being launched in Germany is designed to combat political polarization and checking, making sure there isn't a confirmation bias. In other words, this is literally right out of some form of a dystopian hell where they're trying to make it so that everything that we do is now tempered and shaped by an AI. The AIs are now in in operation. In fact, Bing has already incorporated uh, chat GPT effects in their browser. So these are real language effects, keeping in mind that Microsoft and Elon Musk have been co-developers of ChatGPT, which is the OpenAI initiative. But OpenAI is a bit of a misnomer because really what we're seeing is it's a, it's a normalization of AI into our cultural lives to get us adapted and accepting to it so they can roll it out in mass and use it to shape us. This has massive repercussions on how we run our lives because we are so we have become so digitally bound this has huge effects in from everything from searches to finding information to even the information that we will see because we we constantly think of terms in terms of documents being fixed for example or articles being fixed but now imagine a world where you put in that you want to know about uh, we want to know, there's an article today, here's a great headline. The Israelis destabilizing democracy and disrupting elections worldwide. And this was put out by www.haretz.com, talking about a, uh, it's an, an Israeli group that has been working quietly. They're all Mossad-driven, destabilizing governments across the world through elections and even hacking uh, emails and setting up these bots. I mean, here again, imagine if you go in to read about this and the story that's reported, once the AI knows your bias and you are, say, looking for the truth to spread this out, that this is a hacker group, the AI just rewrites the story when it presents it to you. Or you go in to look at something like what's going on up in East Palestine and what comes out is a completely different story. Instead of finding, as it knows your profile before you even go, you search for East Palestine and you're hearing rumors about it, for example, you wanna get information. And even the people talking, because now AI has the capacity to create human-like characters and even speech, and you can't distinguish, unless you really know what you're doing, you can't distinguish the AI model from the actual. You have people saying, yeah, I came back to East Palestine and they told us the water was, was bad or the water was safe. I was, I was skeptical, but I drank it and I was fine. So these people that are out here saying this are not true. I mean, you could start to see this sort of really live reporting, fake live reporting, but going on and everything tailored towards the individual. This is the insanity we're working into to where truth has become a commodity to pluralize and to deconstruct and to complete, com, create a complete and total chaotic environment where you never know what is true. 
Well, as we live through this period, which is not going to get better, it's going to get worse because these are the platforms which they are working with us on. We have to start pivoting and we have to start looking, quite frankly, at where we are going to find truth. And that is not as hard as we think. And I think we all know that answer. So let's just take a listen to this. I think this is inspiring. Asbury. Asbury has now opened up two additional chapels. People are flowing in from all over the world. profound shift that's happening. Uh, Man, it just chokes me up. It's very, very powerful and very significant. But what's at the core of this is people are just going there to be, to hang out, not to search social media. You don't see anybody flipping on cell phones. They're just completely consumed in the Holy Spirit. This is really something we all need to reflect on. And the more that we can bring together and do just that, the more powerful we're going to be. I've always, I've, since I started this channel, I've tried to present the balance between information and that position with Christ in our lives. Some days are more news than they are God, and other days are much more Jesus than they are news. But in the balance of things right now, the one thing that has to take front and center on everything is our love in Jesus speaking Jesus in everything. When we get to these binds and we all have them and we all find these moments that we feel like the world is crushing on us, take some time. Just sit back and laugh a little bit. So I've been telling you about this experience that I've had. <laughs> it's been ongoing. This, uh, and it all came from a workout that I did about almost two weeks ago now, a hard one that I ended up straining a lower glute muscle, and that triggered a sciatica attack, which has now taken me about 10 days to work through to where I'm kind of getting back to normal now, which obviously kind of derailed my workouts a little bit. But I've, I've continued to research and follow the things that I need to do and, and each day digging deeper and finding where the injury is and stretching. And so the other day I was starting some new stretches and and it was very clear that these were the stretches I needed to do. Uh, it's kind of what I, some people call it a figure four stretch. And as I'm stretching, and I'm not kidding you, it is it is pain like I have not felt in a long time. And yet here I was on the floor stretching, and it's like totally overtaken by the Holy Spirit. I am in pain to the point of almost throwing up, and I start laughing. And I just, I laugh so hard 
that I could hardly do the stretch. And I'm just sitting here talking to God going, you seriously want me on my back doing a figure four pretzel to get myself back up on my feet. But see, that's the Holy Spirit. Because even in the moments of the darkest moments, the most painful moments, the Holy Spirit has a way of just stepping into us and saying, this is your life. This is the joy of the experience of your life. Embrace it. Laugh with it. Walk with it. And that's what we're seeing in Asbury. Ashbury is just, it's, a, it's an amazing moment where people that are there are consumed totally in the love and the joy. Now, I don't, people are calling this like the great revival. And I'm going to be honest, I'm, I don't think it is the great revival. I think it is the beginning of the prairie fire of revivals across the nation. I also think that, you know, where we've, much of this, and I just say this with the joy of God in my heart, is that a lot of this goes back to Bard's Fest where so many came to pray for revival and pray for repentance for the nation. And that was preceded by other events. But the one thing that's very evident that God is doing is he doesn't want anybody to take claim to this. The problem when you have a single event is people try to start taking claim. Well, my event caused this and the fact and we were part of the reason this happened. Once we do that, we have lost our way. And again, what God gives us is not for us to own, but it is for us to steward. So here we are right now in a very critical moment, and and there's a really wonderful interview today that was done by Tucker, and I want you to hear it because the young lady that's speaking, especially as she is ending, she's just so humble to the event, and she's the student body president. And just so you know, by the way, Ashbury has um, canceled all classes for this week, and they've just opened up two other chapels, like I mentioned earlier, for people just to come in. And people are coming in from all over the world. So take a listen to this great conversation that Tucker has tonight. And a lot of people are starting to figure that out. And the good news is a lot of people are starting to think more about what happens when you die. They're becoming much more interested in the spiritual life, which has been basically extinguished in the public square for a long time. So here's a sign that people are becoming more interested. Asbury University, which is a private Christian college in Wilmore, Kentucky, outside Lexington, began hosting a prayer service a week ago, but it never ended. It's still going on. People just keep showing up from around the world. The university has even set up overflow chapels to accommodate demand. Here's what it looks like. So we keep hearing about this, there haven't been many news stories on it, but it's all over social media, on TikTok actually, of all places, and reports that people are flying in from Singapore and New Zealand to join whatever this is. And so we thought it'd be worth finding out, what is it? Allison Perfader is the student body president at Asbury University, and she joins us. Allison, you're so nice to come on, thank you. What, it, what is this, do you think? Right, what is this? That's what we can... I mean, that's the question, right? And um, a, a theme or a Bible verse that we've all been sharing with each other is Habakkuk 1. And the Lord says, look at the nations and watch for I'm doing something in your day that you wouldn't believe if you were told. And 
It's happening, and we can hardly believe it. Well, it seems remarkable. I mean, so many stories, you see them, and you think, that's very different. I'm not quite sure what it means, but it's worth learning more. So my understanding is this began in a completely conventional service, and a boy got up and started talking about his own flaws, and then it just, something changed in the atmosphere, and it never ended. Is that fair? That's completely what happened. Um, so here at Asbury University, three mornings a week, we have chapel at 10 a.m. sharp. The whole student body gets together, and we, we sing praise to the Lord, and we hear a message from a speaker. And for seemingly no reason at first, on, on Wednesday, February 8th, it didn't end. And that's, that's kind of the logistical side of what's been going on. And then, you know, on the, on the deeper side of things, what's been happening here since Wednesday is there's a, there's a young army of believers who are rising to claim Christianity the faith as their own, as a young generation and as a free generation. And that's why people can't get enough. That's amazing. So you, you felt like something like this was going to happen because everything finds equilibrium, I think. Who are the people who are coming? Where are they coming from? Um, we don't know most of them. Um, we've obviously been getting calls, hundreds of calls to the university switchboard number, um, but we have friends here from Brazil, from Indonesia, um, almost every state, um, and, and they just keep coming, and, and it's no wonder, you know, and it's like you said, I mean, especially in the midst of tragedies like what we've seen in Michigan State University and, and even yeah. farther back to 2020, especially our, our generation was impacted so much, and so you have to wonder, you know, what's going to break, and in this case, the Holy, the Holy Spirit has interceded for us here at Asbury and, and uh, across the nation. I assume you don't know how long this will continue? Uh, I could not tell you, and I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't want to guess. <laughs> no, you, no, you wouldn't. Allison, thank you. Great to see you. appreciate it. Thank you. Really, thank you. Yeah, that was Tucker covering a, a religious revival, a Christian revival. How's that? On, on Fox News. Who would have thought that was going to happen? That's God right there. Amazing. And it is truly amazing. There is an energy that's picking up in this country. And it's picking up fast. It is truly a prairie fire that has been lit. So I want to kind of focus the rest of the night here on really where God's put my heart more and more on Bards Fest this year. And this has only been a confirmation of what's going on in Osbury and many of the others that I've been seeing. So as I've said, I've heard people tell me recently that this is the revival of America. And that's not what I'm getting in my prayers. This is the beginning of the prairie fire. It's racing and burning across the nation. And it's one of hundreds that are going to be coming. So the other day I was praying pretty heavily on Bards Fest and, and digging into what always happens in these sorts of plannings. It gets, in the beginning, it's very chaotic there's a lot of logistical issues to worry about. There's a lot of financial issues to worry about. And so I'm praying on this, and I'm kind of putting it to Father, and I'm like, okay, you know, we have a lot of resources issues. How many of Bards Fest do we do? How do we do this? And his words to me were simple. <laughs> How much does it cost to do a dinner? And I started to laugh. I'm like, well... I don't know. If everybody brings something that's a potluck, that becomes basically nothing. It's just we all come together. And his response was exactly. 
so much about Bards Fest that God's been putting on my heart is fellowship. And this is what we're seeing in Osbury. This is what we're seeing. I'm hearing from all the other people that I'm talking to, and there's many that are working on small little brush fire revivals. We're going to make Bards Fest significant, and I think probably when I say that, it will be memorable. But logistically, and it needs to be from the heart, and it needs to be very organic. So I spoke to somebody in Kansas the other day who has 40 acres, and he has been called by God to use his 40 acres. He's part of a bluegrass band, and they do a hymn group. I do a hymn uh, festival, I guess we'd say, in the local community. He's been teaching farming. His wife is involved in helping people learn how to can. And one of the, I mentioned him the other night because one of their great uh, projects that they've been working on is reclaiming the dinner table in the family to get people to come together around the dinner table. And many families don't have dinner tables. So they started to either make or re refurbish dinner tables to give people dinner tables so they would have a place to assemble as a family. Our families are broken. They're broken deeply, and that's the center point of strength for what we are. And so I guess in the, in the overall sense of all things with where we're going, we have to put that crosshairs right on that. And, it, and we go to pillar number one in county by county, and that's home churches. And that has so many levels of repercussions whether it's a Bible study, whether it's just a family study, whether it's a, an official home church, but it's the point that the Bible becomes the center point in the home, not the TV. Think about all the homes that you go to and think about how many homes have at the center of them, in the living room, the Bible is the centerpiece and not just a Bible for display, but the Bible as an active tool in the life and times of a family. I would argue that that's very rare. I would argue that you don't find that much at all, in fact. That when we go to looking at homes and how they're laid out, I would say arguably the TV takes center point in most homes. There might be stereo in other homes. But it's going to be something other than the Bible. So I want to just kind of seed this out here as we start to really come up with ideas for Bards Fest, and we are working on that. And we start thinking about locations. I think there's kind of two layers of the Bards Fest. I think there's going to be a, a number of them that are going to be fairly big events. When I say that, like two days, maybe three days. They're going to be fairly involved logistically because we're going to have to have with that arrange for people to come in and camp, and we're going to have security, and we're going to have you know, logistically how we're going to prepare food for many. But I also want to encourage everybody to start looking at their local community and having small Bards Fests. Maybe it's in your backyard with a barbecue with neighbors. Maybe it's at a local church to get the churches involved. But this is the revival that we need. And we need to be leading this in our communities, firing it up, getting people excited about Jesus, talking about our nation, singing him. This is the main thing. We can talk about skill development and we can talk about canning and we can talk about all sorts of things and we can do some of those things. But the most important thing in all of this that's happening at Asbury is they're coming together and just praising the Lord. 
And that praise and worship is something that we cannot minimize at any Bards Fest this year. No matter what it is, we have to light the fire of passion. We need to be singing to a way and celebrating in a way that heaven hears our hearts. We need to be shaking the foundations of earth so that heaven hears our passion, our tears, our love. That's what we need to be doing. And it doesn't have to be formalized. It doesn't need to be hard pastoring. It just needs people coming together with the love in their heart for Jesus. That's literally speaking Jesus and living in the world with Jesus. So as I, I say this, Bartsfest is taking on a form, and I don't know how formal it's going to be or how unconventional and organic it's going to be, but it's going to be somewhere in between those. And there's going to be an encouragement in every Bartsfest location to be spontaneous in the love of Jesus. That I will tell you. And I say that with some managing of expectations because if we're looking at Bardsfest as a systematic way to train and and perfect the army of Christ, I would argue that one of the most powerful ways to train and perfect the army of Christ is to sing him and celebrate the love of Jesus and come together in fellowship and break bread and to be open to the miracles that God can bring. These are the things that I say that we need to be focused on. There is an event that happened. It doesn't translate well on audio, and it's hard even to tell on visual, but nonetheless, there was a, a, some deliverance work that spontaneously occurred at Osbury today. A woman collapsed on the floor, and they began to pray for her, and someone got near her and, and realized what had happened and began to ask for the demon to leave. And I'm telling you, when you listen to the audio, and you have to listen closely, it is a wicked demonic scream that comes out of her. Wicked. And the minute that happened, everybody stood up and started praying. And she was set free. We need a lot of this. Our nation needs a lot of this. And we need to have room at every at the festivals for these sorts of miracles and amazing events to happen. We can't suppress it with rigid with the rigidity of, okay, we have 15 classes you have to go to today, and, and in between that we're going to have organized breaks and so forth. We need to have the space just to come in and sing and praise the Lord and celebrate Jesus in our life. So if Bards Fest ended up, ended up being one day at 50 different locations across this country, and every location was a location of people coming together and bringing food and celebrating and sitting down and breaking bread, and that's all we did, I would say we would succeed if we were singing prayer and praising God and doing all those things. That's a success point that we have to benchmark and look at. So I say this because we're in a point where expectations are, and people are high and, e and eager for Bards Fest, and I, they need to be. But we're also part of a national movement of revival, of the revival in our loving Christ. And so as we put this and assemble this together, let's keep our eye on that most important issue, the issue of speaking Jesus, that issue of celebrating our Lord, the issue of in him, 
shaking the walls of the modern-day Jericho. I've said this before. We have never seen an assembly of, say, 10,000 that walked the perimeter of D.C. singing him for seven days. Maybe that's something we do by fall. And I'm serious. Because we need to start looking at what the Bible's telling us, both in, in implication and also in direct application. It's time that we take this fight back. I'm, I'm not going to be intimidated by the AIs that want to run the social media. You want to take, or, or the internet, you want to take and let that happen. I'll just shut it off. We'll find another way to communicate. We'll all jump in the Jeep and we'll go town to town and we will sing and pray and praise together and we'll print out paper flyers and we'll set up our own network of motorcycle carriers and we'll distribute them by our own way without having to worry on the mail system. There's so many ways around this thing. We'll use ham radio jumps to get people notified what's going on. We don't need their system. And yes, it's wonderful to assemble like we do. And we should continue this. Believe me, it's I'm enjoying it too. But we have to also look ahead to what they're trying to do to us. And we can't be intimidated by them. We have to be ready to stand and to pivot and to move into our domain of fight, to take it where they can't go. And the one place they can't go is when we are singing praise to the Lord, where we are singing him and celebrating in, in prayer. They can't go there. They can sure try, but they get defeated at the wall. And when we confront them with greater prayer, we confront them with the greater power of the sword of the spirit, and we are singing into that and celebrating those moments, they cannot pass. In fact, they fall back. This is one of the most powerful moments in our history right now, and we are here for it. So begin to think in your own life what that looks like to bring a revival to your town. What does that require? And you know what it requires? I can tell you right now. Open your doors, pray on it, and start making it happen. The resistance chicks shared with me today was Michelle was sharing with me today that one of the people that ran for governor was called to open his doors of his church and just to start doing what they're doing in Asbury. And when he did, nobody showed up. And so she said, okay. That's fine. God put on my heart. We're going to bring it to him. So they're moving to him to bring people to do a whole weekend revival. All it takes is someone to say doors are open. Come on in. And those that are called and know, they will, they will come. As God says, as they say, if you build it, they will come. Well, God's telling us the same thing. So while we plan for Bard's festival to bring people together in mass, let us also look at these small brush fire bards fest in our communities that'll light the skies, that'll shake the foundations. If Osbury can have a multi-week revival, I don't see any reason why we can't have 50, 100, 1,000 brush fire revivals in people's backyards, in churches, in small communities of people just coming together for a day or two just to sing praise and celebrate Jesus. There's no reason that can't happen. It's only up to us to believe that it can and to make it start. And it only begins, it all it takes technically is one, but as they say, where two or three are gathered, that's it. And the fire is lit. 
So give that some thought as we move forward. I think these are exciting times and exciting times to turn the, the vector of warfare from one that is at us to one that puts them on their heels. And we do it with the joy in our heart and the celebration of the Lord. And no matter what happens, we are there in the presence of the Holy Spirit celebrating and living our life with joy, not fear, not anxiety, not anger, not hatred. We just cast away all of that because we really don't need it. They just want us to believe we have to have it. At the end of the day, the Lord is greater than them, and he is our God. He is our Father. And as we celebrate in him, justice is his. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, what an amazing time that we live. What an amazing time you've given us to be present in this earth and to see the revival of your love take fire across the plains and the prairies of this nation. Father, we now just pray for the guidance as we move forward in the various forms that Bards Fest can take, not to just be an isolated event, but to be a wildfire that lights across this nation, that inspires the many, from the small events to the large events. Let us come together in the various forms to break bread, to bring people into the community, to all in all celebrate you, Lord. And that's the whole focus. No matter what we do, that should be our singular goal and needs to be our singular goal to put our focus and celebration on you, Lord. So hear our heart. Guide us in these times to be spontaneous, to be motivated, to be courageous, and simply to open the doors and begin the revivals all across this nation. Brush fires that light and become a raging torrent of flame in the hearts of the many. Guide us in these times. Jesus, walk with us in these moments. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So patriots, just some thoughts, some things to sit on, some pray on. Put your prayers to it. We're in a very critical moment of bringing all of this together. And it's moving fast. And I think there is a good vision that's going to start taking some shape as we put prayers to it. And I think it will be one of the most memorable years of our lives. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow night. Duncan will be here tomorrow for Bended Knee, and then I'll see you tomorrow night for Bards FM. Until then, or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest dead Oh